0: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's
3: 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, March 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. It is Fed Day, and the Federal Reserve will announce its latest decision on in interest rates uh, less than an hour from now. Let's get a preview from Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. Up until maybe a week and a half ago, the conventional wisdom was that. That uh, if the Fed were to surprise about the interest rate hike announcement, uh, it would surprise on the upside, maybe half a percentage point instead of a quarter point. But now uh, the banking crisis has really uh, affected their decision making.
4: Absolutely. So we went from uh, leaning in a hawkish direction to now uh, potentially responding uh, to financial sector uh, instability. But the Fed's uh, the goal, I think, and you know they had some opportunity to. Uh, to weigh in over the last uh, 10 days or whatnot, and they they really didn't offer any comments. Now, technically, they're in a communications blackout period, but they can opt to speak uh, if they need to get a message across. But they were watching financial market conditions and the tone of trading and over the last several uh, trading sessions that has moved in a positive direction. Uh, So I think they're taking cues from the market here, and that's telling them they can... uh, uh, proceed with another 25 basis point or quarter uh, percentage point uh, rate increase without too much disruption. But there's going to be a great deal of focus on the body language of the press conference, the tone, how he's balancing very high inflation pressures uh, with uh, potential uh, fallout into the banking
3: sector. Yeah, there's, there's always uh, two parts to Fed Day. There's the interest rate announcement itself, and then there is the news conference and any forward-looking statements that uh, that, that Jay Powell may issue after uh, announcing the interest rate hike. And uh, it's, it's not just parsing words. I mean, you're parsing syllables and looking at body language to divine some sort of clue about their thinking.
4: Yes, it was. Uh, it was called Kremlinology uh, during the Cold War, uh, trying to pay attention to very subtle uh, communication hints, uh, and we call it Fed watching uh, as, uh, among U.S. Uh, market participants. But uh, you know, in addition to that statement, there will be prepared forecasts for both uh, economic growth, the unemployment rate, inflation, and even expectations for interest rate policy uh, going forward. Now, those those forecasts are only as good as the amount of confidence that goes into them uh so i suspect that, that we might dial back the emphasis on those forecasts because we're all just watching and waiting to see what the fallout is uh and instead uh you know pay more attention to you know the tone of his remarks and is he really very focused on inflation or does he seem worried about the recent stresses in the banking sector that kind of more subtle nuance and innuendo is going to be uh, really determinative of the market reaction
3: how many data points go into the interest rate announcement itself and then the forecast afterward what are they looking at and what gets more weight
4: well there are tons and tons of uh, data points that are going into the total assessment of the uh, uh, of the uh, policy decision uh, that being said uh, the Fed is really focused on three core uh, kind of themes uh, one is maximum employment, so getting the unemployment rate as low as we can, uh, but doing that with respect to the second mandate, which is price stability or low and stable inflation. Uh, And so lots of data points go into that as well. Uh, And then the third is really uh, financial stability, which uh, we often kind of don't think of in the same context, but uh, in light of the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, uh, uh, you know, problems or collapses, failures, whatever you want to call it, um, in light of those stresses and the potential for contagion uh, elsewhere in the banking sector, uh, you know this financial stability uh, component of of the fed's objective uh, setting is you know much more prominently featured. Uh, in, in, in this meeting relative to you know where we have been over the last uh, couple of years.
3: Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. The announcement coming just after 1 o'clock our, our time. We will have instant analysis at one twenty this afternoon. Coming up, where you should be with investments at milestone ages of your life. Money talks as the
0: WBBM
3: Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. As you hit certain ages, such as 30 and 40, There are investing milestones you should be reaching. Let's learn more from Ed Jurtson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is EngageWealthGroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. And let's talk about uh, some of these goals and the ages at which uh, you should either achieve them or have them on your radar. And it's kind of uh, interesting uh, looking at some of these goals, Ed. And in in some ways, it's kind of a walk down memory lane. especially uh, where you should be by the time you hit the age of 30.
2: You know, what's important to remember, Rob, is, you know, for a lot of younger folks, it's like, welcome to the world of adulting. But what's really important as you go through your 20s and your 30s, don't measure yourself by some arbitrary timeline, right? Because everyone has a different path in life. And I think that's really important for your listeners to hear. Just because someone should be at some point in time doesn't mean that you should just kind of forget about being on a path, because ultimately, again, everyone's on their own path. But what's really important to remember is having a good, disciplined plan that works for you and that you can stick with. That, by far, is sort of the best advice that I could give your listeners in regards to kind of getting on to these different waypoints and hitting these different waypoints in their life.
3: And some of these uh, waypoints, these goals, the five goals you set out, uh, that should be, as we mentioned, you know, j- ideally you get them, you get to them by the time you hit the age of 30, but everyone's on their own schedule. And I I don't like these segments to sound like we're hectoring people and telling them, well, this is what you're not doing. Because uh, if you run down this checklist, you'll find that you may be doing it already and ahead of the game. You didn't even know it. So uh, like building yeah. your human capital, managing debt, saving for retirement, getting a credit card, becoming comfortable with investing. I like goal number one: building your human capital because there's so many different ways that you can generate life experiences and that's what that's all about
2: great point rob so whether you're working for an employer or working for yourself always invest in yourself never forget that you are literally the ceo of your own company you just decide to give your services to a particular business or uh, if you have your own business so always look to reinvest in yourself. And there's a couple ways of doing that. One is continuing education. Always try to find ways of improving in terms of what you know and how you know. And the second one is investing in your future self. And this is your way future self. And that's by taking part of either your company's retirement plan and or if you're on your own, your own retirement plan like a solo 401k. So invest in yourself not only for today but also to tomorrow. But don't forget, Rob, enjoy Enjoy this as it goes along just along the way just like we tell people don't spend all your money don't necessarily look to be a squirrel and save all your money enjoy life as it goes along because that again is that balance that we're always trying to achieve when we're talking to clients in their financial plans
3: And there are all sorts of ways that you can invest in yourself, whether it's uh, going to graduate school. I mean, if you're in your 20s without a spouse or without children and you're on the fence about going to grad school, just do it because it gets harder when you have kids and have to balance your own studies along with their commitments. But it's it's stuff like, you know... Possibly studying abroad, um, doing a lot of traveling. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Marquette coach Al McGuire is that everybody should be a bartender and a cab driver because you get to really learn, people, learn about people while, while doing that. And just so many different ways that uh, when you're done, uh, you know more about yourself, you know more about other people, and then you can apply that knowledge in a professional capacity.
2: That's an excellent point, Rob. So expanding your horizons, even if it's uncomfortable, I can tell you with all the clients, we we work with clients throughout their life's arc, and so it's a privilege for us. And the stories that our clients tell us over the decades, it wasn't about being at their desk and toiling. It was about all the different things, all the different experiences that had, that really added to life's value. So while we really focus on money and savings, that's really important, but again, don't forget, you know, to, to invest in yourself and, and to go and experience things, like you said, whether it's being in a driving a cab or, or behind the bar, really try to get to know people. What a great way to kind of look at your future self and, and really engage in life as it is.
3: Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, updates on new moves by Starbucks
0: and Panera.
1: Call from mom. Answer it
0: the only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Something new is brewing at Starbucks while
3: Panera is handing out a new plan for customers. Let's get the latest from R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. Hot. Uh, R.J., thank you for joining us today. and Let's start off by talking about this uh, Olito thing, which is uh, Starbucks coffee infused with Olive oil. It has been uh, tested in Italy. It's being introduced in the uh, the signature uh, roaster locations, including the, the Reserve cafes in Chicago, including the big one that used to be in the old Creighton Barrel store on Michigan Avenue. Uh, does, are, are coffee drinkers uh, uh, warming up to olive oil infused coffee?
5: Yeah, I think that question's left to be determined here at this point. If nothing else, it does seem to be eliciting a lot of reaction uh, from the media and and customers in general, too. And and it hasn't even been launched yet, so there seems to be some strong opinions on it. Um, Generally speaking, the early reviews have been somewhat tepid on on the product, but it does kind of speak to this idea of authenticity that a lot of restaurant chains are striving for at this point, where, you know, Producing their products, how they're made in their local markets, and so you know, obviously, coffee's a big, uh, you know, big in Italy, and this is a preparation method that they've seen over there. Uh, You know, that said, we don't always have a 100% hit rate when things are 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 made, uh, you know, authentic fashion, and sometimes that you know, menu items have to be tailored for the U.S. audience. So I think a lot of times it'll be uh, you know, big to be determined on this one, and we'll see what happens of it. You know, it's worth noting that you know, right now Starbucks is seeing a, a higher number of visitors. Total than they saw in um, you know the pre-pandemic, but the total number of visits is actually down, and so I think this is a way to create some interest and generate buzz around it. And you know, if nothing else, it, it shouldn't add a lot of complexity
3: to the uh, the menu. So uh,
5: I, I think Starbucks will take it slow and figure out what they have here before uh, launching it on a wide scale, if they ever do that.
3: So, th- so this is based on an actual uh, Italian coffee brewing tradition. This is not uh, the, the the byproduct of someone uh, reaching for creamer and grabbing the bottle of olive oil instead. <laughs>
5: Yeah, Starbucks is pretty good when it comes to you know at least testing products like that. So I don't think they would just uh, do that on that front, uh, come up with something on the fly like that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see too. And you know we've had some cases where you know not every product Starbucks is, has introduced has landed and been part of the permanent rotation. So it, and again, the the fact that they have the roastery and reserve stores uh, gives them another outlet. That's a product that they usually, or those are locations that they use to uh, you know tend to keep some of the more specialized products at anyways too. And I suspect that that may be where it gets limited to is kind of being a product in those uh those type of venues
3: and then meantime if you go to panera to uh pay for your muffin and cup of coffee in the morning uh, you could potentially pay with your palm
5: yeah and so i mean it's interesting because i mean what we're talking about with starbucks is you know creating more demand and you know, trying to generate you know interest in the brand this is a case where panera is just trying to streamline the the demand they've got, so getting people through the restaurant quicker and so I, I, we're or Panera is not alone in this case, where they're looking at new uh, you know, features to get people through the lines quicker and you know, uh, you know handle a greater number of visits, uh, particularly during peak hours. The interesting to see because there has been a lot of experimentation with different payment types. Um, you know, kind of we've seen you know Amazon you know has been a pioneer in this and they're behind this. Uh, Palm new technology, but they 've had the just walk out technology, the amazon ghost stores i 've seen a lot of uh, you know groups for sit down restaurants start so to introduce you know pay at the table type technology so uh, I think it 's an interesting test um, it 's one that um, yeah, I think it's going to take time to implement because you do need to, you know, set up things. It's not something where you can just go in from day one, and you have to have certain things in place to be able to pay in this form. Um, but you know, if it does help streamline the, uh, you know, the order process and you know, get people through quicker, it uh, makes it more convenient for customers. It, it might be something that uh, they have there.
3: R.J. Hottavy, Head of Analytical Research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still to come in Personal Finance Wednesday, understanding your 401k retirement plan. The
0: WBBM
3: noon business hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on news radio WBBM. The Federal Reserve will announce its latest decision in interest rates about a half hour from now. Inflation, also a problem in countries other than the United States. Personal Finance Wednesday, the most important things you need to know about your 401k plan. And the Food and Drug Administration has given approval to a second brand of lab grown chicken. WBBM business, the markets are. Next right now, the Dow is down 83 points. The NASDAQ in positive territory up 9. SP and p 500 is down 4. 46 degrees right now at O'Hare under cloudy skies, going up to 52 today. It's 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the Federal Reserve will announce within the next half hour whether it will continue raising interest rates or take a pause. The latest from correspondent Donna Warder.
5: Many economists expect the Fed to announce a relatively modest quarter point hike in its benchmark rate to roughly 4.9 percent, the highest point in nearly 16 years. Hiring is strong, consumers are still spending, and inflation is still high. But less than two weeks ago, Silicon Valley Bank failed in the second largest bank collapse in American history. That shock was followed by the failure of Signature Bank. The Fed is expected to treat inflation and financial turmoil as two separate problems, raising rates to address inflation and greater Fed lending to banks to calm the financial turmoil. Another rate hike today would be the ninth hike since March of last year. Donna Water, Washington.
3: Britain's inflation rate has risen for the first time in four months as high food and energy prices hit consumers already hit by a cost-of-living crisis. The
1: Office for National Statistics says that the Consumer Price Index jumped to 10.4% in the 12 months through February from 10.1% the previous month. The figure's surprising analysts, who'd forecast inflation, would slow to 9.9%. The data's increasing pressure on the Bank of England to approve an 11th consecutive interest rate increase when it meets on Thursday regardless of concerns about the economic impact of strains on the global banking system the office says high energy prices have continued to squeeze household budgets charles tiladesma
0: de london
3: it's 1232 markets are mixed this afternoon we're joined by shah galani chief investment strategist moneymorning.com shah thank you for joining us today it's the calm before the storm the the waiting period before the fed interest rate announcement just after one o'clock Chicago time this afternoon, and then for the rest of the trading session, shots usually kind of a a roller coaster as in investors wrap their heads around uh, what the Fed is trying to say.
6: I don't think uh, we can expect anything other than a roller coaster this time around, Bob. The same same way because this time not only is the Fed decision important, what's more important is the market's reaction to that decision the smart money says it's going to be a 25 basis point hike and that is the Fed having to straddle higher inflation and wanting to probably raise 50 basis points with clearance from the ECB which raised 50 basis points on their rate and also the high inflation rate um, that your correspondent just talked about in the UK. So the Fed has to battle inflation at the same time. Everyone is aware now the country is facing a banking crisis. Make no mistake about it. The crisis is deeper than most people think. So the Fed trying to straddle both is going to raise 25 basis points. The question really is, what will Chairman Powell say in his Q&A? How will he answer, address some of the questions he's going to be asked? There are going to be some hard questions put questions to him
3: and it's interesting to note uh, 15 years ago of course different uh, fed chairman back then different circumstances and a much deeper financial crisis in 2008 but even as the as banks were failing huge banks were failing in the summer of 08 the fed was was very reluctant to cut interest rates even as the bottom was dropping out because they were that concerned about inflation
6: well, they weren't as much concerned about inflation back then, Rob, as they were the perception of that cutting rates would send the message that there's real trouble going on in the banking community. Um, and this is probably why the bet is the smart bet is for 25 basis. Because if the Fed was to say we're pausing here, the reaction from markets would probably be, oh goodness, things must be worse than we thought with the banks. That's why the Fed can't afford to raise. And that's the game theory that says, you know, 25 basis points to stem the possibility of a run on banks, a further run on banks.
3: What's the relationship between markets and the Fed? I mean, who listens to whom here? Because obviously investors are placing bets on a certain course of action. The Fed will make its decision based on a number of data points, uh, maybe a little bit of input from the market. So who has the louder voice in this particular relationship?
6: Well, the Fed has all of the, the entire voice and he has the Fed has uh, uh, essentially the attention of the entire investing community. And for good reason, because the Fed really dictates the course of interest rates and that dictates the course of the economy. And right now, it's, it's no matter what the Fed says, the truth of the matter is. It's how the market reacts. And the Fed can say something that sounds hawkish, the market can go higher. The Fed can say something that sounds dubbish, the market can go lower. It's a matter of what investors' perception is that the Fed's next move is going to be. I'm betting that they're likely to do the 25 basis point hikes, and I think markets will like that. I think the equity markets could rally on the 25 basis point hike as long as Chairman Powell doesn't say anything negative about the banking, the state of the banking community in the U.S.
3: Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist, MoneyMorning.com. Thank you for joining us today. That interest rate announcement coming up after 1 o'clock this afternoon. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, a need-to-know guide for 401k retirement accounts. Because money matters. This is the WBBM
0: Noon Business Hour.
3: It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're delving into 401k plans and some of the key fundamentals. We're joined by Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management, in Wheaton, the website fairhavenwealth.com. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Now, for most people, a 401k, they make the election to uh, to, to to divert X amount of their take-home pay or their pre-tax pay into uh, their 401k account. They set it and forget it, and then they come to you when they're 55. But there's a lot of stuff you have to learn in between.
7: There, There is. in for a 401k uh, plan, that's for many of us, that's going to be our largest uh, financial asset. So it's important to uh, make sure we're understanding the rules and thinking through the decisions to make. And so there's three, I think, big mistakes that uh, that people can make to want to make sure that uh, uh, people avoid. The first is when you make that enrollment, not setting your contribution to the 401k plan at a level high enough to receive any sort of company matching dollars that might be available, not all plans uh, offer matching dollars, but you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of any money that your employer's making available to you in the 401k plan. By not, not saving enough to max out that match, you're effectively uh, declining a, a raise. Another big, que- another big mistake is uh, misunderstanding the difference between when it's time to take money out of the 401k plan, the difference between a distribution and a rollover. And the difference is taxes. And so if you process a a distribution instead of a rollover, you could set yourself up for a very nasty uh, tax surprise. And so you want to steer clear of that. And then the last big mistake is to not periodically review those beneficiary designations. So uh, many people are are not aware that named beneficiary designations, so things like life insurance policies, individual retirement accounts, and 401K plans, that have named beneficiaries, those supersede even a will. So we've had, experience, we've had instances where, as you, as you said, somebody comes uh, ready for retirement, we go to do a beneficiary review, and we find out an ex-spouse is still the named beneficiary on the 401k plan. Uh, and so that's got to be changed. So All, all these things to, to keep mindful of and make sure that you're managing them appropriately.
3: When you start a new job, you know, in addition to the excitement or maybe the trepidation you have about going to a new workplaces, you have to also compare their 401k plans and, 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 and do a little comparing and contrasting and then setting up that rollover account from your previous employer. And that seems like a, a lot of work to add to what's already a pretty, uh, could be a potentially stressful situation or at least one with a little bit of anxiety about starting a new job.
7: Yeah, those crossroads in life always come along with, uh, with a few financial planning decisions to make. So whether it's starting a new job, getting married, unfortunately, sometimes getting divorced or, or retiring, there, there's always some, some uh, decisions to make. And so you're hitting the nail on the head when you join that new company. You basically have three options uh, with that old employer plan. One is you can take a distribution if you want to. Again, that's going to be uh, likely incredibly tax painful, so to avoid that, you can roll over the previous 401k uh, balance into your new employer's plan, or you could roll it over into an individual retirement account. Each of those uh, those other two options have got pros and cons associated with them. Uh, there's typically a bit more flexibility in individual retirement accounts. Uh, you can keep track of uh, one account at the 401k plan if you roll it into the roll it into your current employer's plan. Uh, generally we're advocates of keeping life simple. And so if you can keep track of, if you already have an individual retirement account, you might just consider rolling that into the IRA. Uh, But to try and keep track of as few accounts as possible is generally going to be is generally going to be a strong recommendation.
3: And then very quickly, Mark, uh, if you are working for a company that files for Chapter 11, and this happened for me about 14 years ago, and you're in the company's 401k, you're going to get a lot of paperwork from the bankruptcy trustee because you're a creditor in that particular situation.
7: Well, so the, the, the deferrals that you make, the money there's different buckets of money inside the 401k. The deferrals that you make as, as an employee from your paycheck, that's protected by the, by the government. So there might be some time that you have to wait and paperwork to fill out in order to get that, get that money. But that money should be available to you. Company matching money or unvested money or maybe contributions that have not yet hit the 401k account, that, those dollars could potentially be at risk. But money that you're deferring out of your paycheck, that's going to be protected.
3: Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor, Fairhaven Wealth Management, based in Wheaton. Thank you for joining us today. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Federal regulators have declared that lab-grown chicken made by the company Good Meat is Safe to Eat. It joins a product made by Upside Foods and moving toward approval for sale. We're joined by Andrew Bush, who is an economic futurist at AndrewBush.com based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. And a couple of months ago, we talked about the how the process of lab-grown meat was uh, becoming closer and closer to reality. And in fact, in some countries, Andy, like Singapore, it's already here. And what's the reaction in Singapore to to lab-grown meat, which has been approved for sale this There since 2020.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really expensive (laughs) to start off, so it's not quite viable. But in Singapore, it's kind of a, it's like getting alligator to some extent. It's a, you know, it's just a curiosity at this point. But I think for the United States, um, uh, this type of food has to get past the, I mean, if that's what you want to call it, we're not quite sure exactly what they want to call it just yet, but it's gotten past the FDA. Now it's got to get past the uh, agricultural department. Uh, Once it clears that, then they can actually sell it to the public and it can appear in restaurants. So... Um, So it's on its path towards this. This is this is not like uh, veggie meats, right, or impossible meats where these are vegetable uh, based meat like products. These are actually um, this is actually food grown from the cells of meat. So it should be able to take on the texture and feel and taste of meat overall, because those are the cells from which it's grown from. Uh, But this is an interesting step, to, to say the least.
3: Now, it'll clear the regulatory hurdles, but then it might face the toughest challenge of all, and that is from the free market. Now, there are some people and some entities that are uh, here to uh, basically handhold it into greater uh, public acceptance. I mean, one of the board members of Good Meat is uh, Chef Jose Andres. He'll start serving the cultured meat in Washington sometime this year. So when, when when let's say, we get to the point where it's on- a restaurant menu? Do you say it's cultured meat, or just say, "Hey, it's chicken"?
1: Yeah, <laughs> tastes like chicken, right? The right, meat. Um, you know, that's a that's a question up to the people who are going to market this thing. But I will tell you, it's extraordinarily expensive uh, right now. So I'm not sure it's scalable at this point. Um, and. Uh, it'll be a long time before they get it to the size uh, that it really needs to be. I think the cost of of uh, a, you know ground beef is, you know for a pound is like five bucks. This would be $190 one hundred and ninety to a thousand dollars per pound right now. I, I'm not talking about the chicken. I'm talking about maybe pork or some other meats that it, they've been growing. But the point is, is like look we're at the forefront of this change in technology and change in the way that we look at our food structure. And I would say this, as GPT-4 comes into play, we're going to get better and better at creating the compounds and the mixtures of things that we want uh, in our food that makes it safer, that makes it taste better, and probably makes it a lot cheaper. So while a lot of people can dismiss this right now, I would say you know slow your roll. There's some really interesting things coming that will uh, reduce the cost of this, but also increase uh, the flavor and the texture of it. So let's see what happens. This is a very interesting development. The fact that the U.S. government has given its first green light uh, from the FDA is a good step in that direction.
3: Andrew Bush, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It's